hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Fraser. Joe. Episode fours. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Go on. <laughs> oh, by the way, your erroneous uh, suggestion that you are no longer the most handsome northern contributor to this podcast is outrageous oh no i think i think mark is going to push me on this one i can feel it i can feel it in me water well i'm just having dreams of the both of you together so don't worry about it anyway um episode fours right <laughs> insert brigadier gif here lucy <laughs> stop it um i actually think that the sylvester mccoy era has a better hit rate with episode fours or or final episodes than pretty much any other era of classic who very often i think curse of Fenrir episode four is excellent i think the last episode of ghostlight which a lot of people say is anticlimactic is actually very smart um battlefield kind of ends with a lot of action but it has that beautiful climax with morgane uh great show in the galaxy has a terrific showdown with the ghost of ragnarok um, I mean, Mrs. Remington's in the last episode of Silver Nemesis. What more do you need? The showdown between Helena and the Doctor in the Happiness Patrol. Um, and this, this is a, a really... Somewhere really... the tea's getting cold in survival. Exactly. I just, oh, exactly, yeah, yeah. I just feel like if, even if the story doesn't always end amazingly well, there's a set piece or there's yeah. something very memorable about it to, to yeah. wrap. Well, yeah. what, what do you think about this one? This is, um, it's a little bit dull. Nothing much happens in it. <laughs> yeah, a bit dull. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure if we try really, really hard, we can find something to talk about in this episode. I'll try, we'll try. Do you know what's great though, right? Is, um, you not only you get action, you get soldiers on Daleks, yeah. You also get Daleks on Daleks. Daleks. You get some of the biggest, bestest explosions of all time. So much so that alarms are going off all over London and the fire brigade's coming in. Now you get all that, but you also get Ace gets like an emotional ending. Yep. Uh, with Mike. The girl is an evil bitch in the house. And then McCoy talks a Dalek to death. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, what more could you possibly want from an episode four? Um, possibly another really good Roy Tromley performance. Well, I don't think you're going to be disappointed then. I don't think I will. Well, should we have a look? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Comes in then. Right. In, I'll count in in rels. In five rels. <laughs> Four rels. Three rels. Two. One. How long is a rel again? Play. That's such a great line. I don't, <laughs> I, I just want to generate it because best lines. <laughs> How long is a rel? <laughs> It's so great because it's the end of a very dramatic scene, which has nothing to do with remembrance of the Daleks. Absolutely. So, Daleks then. Mm. What is it about Daleks that have made them so popular? Do you know what? I, think I can answer that. Yeah. Because you remember I was talking about my, um, my ex-husband's niece? Yes. Well, I had Dalek toys, yeah? And I remember at a very 
young age. She grabbed a toy like I've got in my hand right now. And she was running her hands. Like, and she just couldn't figure out what it was. The bumps, the sticks. I don't think there's anything quite like it. And I yeah. think that's what's distinctive. When you add in the voice and the backstory, I just think there's something very unique about them. What do you think then? Um, yeah, I think it's 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 all of that. And I think it's so part of it's sort of like a, a cultural thing. It's it's in the zeitgeist, isn't it? You know, I mean, I watched this having not really watched much Doctor Who, but I knew what a doll it was. I got scared at Blackpool, at the Blackpool exhibition when I must have been three or four or five, whatever, and we went to see that. We went to Blackpool, went to see the Illuminations, went to see the Doctor Who exhibition there. Um, came around the corner, there was a Dalek in a case, and I was petrified, so I knew what a Dalek was. You know, so there's something very sort of ingrained in our culture now about Daleks. Um, but it is, it's just that menace about them. They're scary, they are unrelenting, they are, like you say, completely different from anything else, you know, that's that's out there that was out there at the time or has actually come come since there because every other alien is a basically human isn't it it's a humanoid um, so that really sets them above when i got i've so i've got a black a remote control black dalek right so like the one in this they're black with yeah. the, all the spots and it's quite big it's like probably about twice the size of my head and when i got that and um Evelyn got older the controls. She used to menace my dog around with that bloody thing. And the, oh, because you know, it had a Nicholas Briggs voice as well. And yeah. oh, that bloody voice. She just have it. She thought it was hilarious. She thought it was wonderful. And it was really nice because I'd never really, as a young child, have that sort of visceral reaction to the Daleks. Yeah. So it was really nice to be able to see it. Her mum hated me for it because all she wanted was daleks for christmas and things <laughs> she didn't want her to have anything to do with dog too but i got in there early yeah <laughs> oh that is the same with mike yeah. this this is what lucy was saying you know mike's kind of like you know i didn't know it was daleks i just thought it was normal fascists and i thought they were doing the right thing and it's a bit like yeah and then ace is kind of heartbroken because she's really fallen from hasn't she at this point and and I think that's really nicely underplayed by Sophie Aldred. Is that an unsubtle parallel, though, that we've actually got Daleks and Nazis teaming up? I don't think it's unsubtle. I think it's it's just the right level. I think it's right. Because mm. that's the thing that hasn't really leaned into enough is the fact that Ratcliffe is a fascist. You know, he's got the sort of like black badge on him, you know, and he, he talks about, you know, one scene he does talk about um, what he believes and whatnot, but I think there is, you know, possibly maybe his cut scenes that have will, um, you know, ex lean into that a little bit more. Um, in which case, it would be more obvious that we're we're making these parallels between, you know, humans and Daleks. But I do think as well sometimes you need to be explicit about these things, don't you? Like, like yeah. there are young children watching and sometimes you just need to be a bit, oh my God, it's a special weapons, Dalek. I'm going to say, look at the size of that, Joe. Oh my God. I know, right? Jeez, I've never seen one that big before. And this this is the really good thing, isn't it? That, you know, going back to what I said the first episode, that, you know, Cartmel and Aranovich are reinventing, not reinventing, but sort of reinvigorating Daleks are saying, right, so there's more than one type of Dalek. You've got like, you know, there is 
Dalek specialist. You've got the Dalek with the big gun. Um, if this is you leading up to talking about those paradigm Daleks again. Well, since you've mentioned them, then that it, it's the next progression, isn't it? That there's you know, so there's a special weapons Dalek, and we have seen it to a certain extent. You know, you have the Dalek with the cutting equipment in things like oh, planet, planet of the Daleks. Daleks, yeah, yeah. So there is going to be other more. So you you might have you know the special weapon of what they do the, the fight a lot. So oh but my god, you... sorry sorry to interrupt this bit where he takes a piss out of the Dalek. <laughs> it's like, humans on the bridge. I'm not human. <laughs> You're our enemy of the Daleks. Correct. Yes. You must be exterminated. <laughs> he says, "Was it goodbye?" <laughs> it's great. She's he's so good at this. Honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I, I, I forget how good he is. And then I watch something like this, and he's just extraordinary. Um, sorry, you were saying? Um, yeah, so special weapons, and then you think there's going to be other specialists. But it's, at the very basic level, it's like, you know, Daleks have been Daleks for 25 years now, so let's do something different with them. Let's make a new type of Dalek without actually, you know... It's not quite as um, abrupt as the paradigm of saying we're going to change all Daleks, whatever. It's like, he has a new type of Dalek. I think but it's, really works. I mean, it's a massive fucking gun. It is. I mean, that's just going to be cool, isn't it? Like, if, yeah. if, if a massive fucking gun had come out of that ship in Victory of the Daleks, I'd have been all over that shit, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, that's what it should they, they? they grease him up, don't they? He's a bit dirty. Yeah, he's well. dirty. It's you know, he's, he's seen some action, hasn't he? Essentially. <laughs> Don't even, all right. <laughs> Grease him up. Seen some action. I'm not even going there. <laughs> Although, I've got to be honest with you. I can take out three minutes. No, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But I'll tell you what, some of those explosions are incredible, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Like, one yeah. of them, is, it's so crazy. All that's left is a little bit of ash. <laughs> But yeah, again, it's like we've seen, we've had explosion after explosion after explosion. There's non-stop action all the way through this. Yeah. Do you know what, though? Do you know what the sacrifice is? What? I think it's the Happiness Patrol. And, like, the Happiness Patrol... Now, don't get me wrong, I like the aesthetic in the Happiness Patrol, but it does look cheap. It looks... stagey. And that's where it wins because if you can imagine you know it looks very much like a stage play mm -hmm. it looks like something that you could very easily translate from television to theater you could go and you just need the terror alpha set you need the candy kitchen you can have interchange one of really quite simple to do and it works if you think of it more as a play yeah. than anything else then you really start to see more layers and levels in it i can't course, imagine uh, peter moffat directed stories with that mindset you know they work a lot better too that's another pound in the moffat jaw um, <laughs> um what was it? yeah so i can't imagine the happiness patrol being you know filmed on location or anything other than completely studio bound because it just doesn't have that same it wouldn't have gonna... the same Put myself in the mindset of the audience at the time. Yeah, so I'm speaking for other people now. And I hate it when people do this, but I'm going to do it. And I'm channel hopping, yeah? And I channel hop to remember the Daleks and go, my God, what is this? 
big explosions, amazing, on location, fabulous, lots of extras. And then I'm channel hopping and I get the Happiness Patrol. And it's that scene in the forum, which looks very stagey with those crazy... And I'm just saying, like, I can understand why kind of there would be a reaction against that. I don't know. I think it's great. But... And then you're channel hopping, Bertie Bassett comes out and <laughs> someone and you're like, I'm watching more of this. I need to stop giving that poor girl lines, you know. The time destructor is available. Was it departure imminent? <laughs> she's, she's interesting. Well, that was that was the biggest explosion because this is um I think this is a ITV warehouse that they're shooting at. Um and the scene where the special weapons blows the door up, they actually blew the doors up. The the BBC put that much pyrotechnics in that they you know, blew the doors clean off, There's shattered all the windows. I disagree with you entirely here, okay? <laughs> the, uh, one of the, oh, maybe because it's an ITV studio, they did it, you know, like uh, ITV warehouse. But um, the one unfortunate thing about those explosions is there's so much smoke, it does obscure a little bit of the what's left, you know? Yeah. But the... They had Daleks there and the explosions melted the Daleks. So that's probably a, a, a good thing. Oh, look at McCoy here covered in all the fiber optics. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and of course, he gets to have a showdown with the villain, which kind of needs. And it is madly over the top. And then it's like Ar Aronovich goes, right, I'm going to have my cake and eat it. He's going to have this insane confrontation with Davros. And then he's going to have a, a confrontation with the Dalek that is very Captain Kirk. And I, he's going to talk him to death. Yeah. And Ace is getting to do the exposition here. Ace is the one that's explaining to, um, you know, the, the, the two scientists what, you know, what the basic plot is. You know, so she's the one that's doing the exposition. She's the one explaining everything, which again is very new series. Yeah. Think to do so the line, please. The line. Yeah. Well, they're aliens. Not pure oh, in their blobbiness. The blobbiness. <laughs> <laughs> One lot of blobs, right? And another lot of blobs. Blobs. <laughs> blobs with <Well>, extra. <laughs> yeah. Fight to the death. Yeah. It is great though. And it's boiled down to a level that kids can understand as well. Yeah. But think about that. That's racism being boiled down to a level that kids can understand. You know? It, yeah. I think that's fantastic. That is what Doctor Who used to do back in the day, isn't it? Was educate yeah. that way. But it's it's, and this is probably where, um, you know, Tribunal does get his he's kicking is because it's he's a little bit less subtle than that. He's a bit more preachy with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I say yes and no. I think there's scenes in Rosa that are. Like the bit where yeah, uh, Yaz is talking about being called a packy because uh, yeah. when she's on the beat and things like that, I think that's incredibly well done, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but Honestly, certainly, look, look at this production. The idea, huh? the idea that, um, you know, Doctor Who was never political or didn't have a message or anything like that before Christian. Rubbish. Is, it's absolute horseshit. Oh, horseshit, eh? Honestly, I mean, I don't think there was any message at all in um, the Green Death or Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, no. There never no, was no. a Golden Age, Mike. It's not the sludge <gasps> of that. It's human greed. What? What? 
I was today years old when I realised Mike Yates and Mike Smith, the two traitors. There we go. There we go. One's a lot more handsome than the other, though. Sorry, Rich Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That's that's one tiny lame effect there. That poor shuttle <laughs> soaring through the sky. Oh my god! I just love that plunger in the technology. <laughs> it's so great. It's a cathode ray tube where he's just going to taunt the emperor. So, I have a oh. question then. So, oh. when did you first watch this? Because you watched Battlefield. Oh, way, first... way yeah. later. When they brought out the, it was a double box set, Remembrance of the Daleks and the Chase. In the tin. In the tin. In the tin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched those two together. So and you would have been sort of teenage, is that right? Yeah. Mid teens. Yeah. Mid teens. So, my question is then, at what point in the story did you realize that the Emperor? Was Davros? No, all the books have been out by then. All those handbooks. Uh, been, I was, I was basically anything classic who I was spoiled because I had all yeah. the books of lists. You know, the program guide, the terrestrial index, all of that. So yeah. it's such a shame. Yeah. That, well, I, I that... did reach oh, out to um, someone that we know who has been watching Doctor Who longer than we've been alive. Is it Simon Hart? It's Simon Hart. Yes, oh, so I, I did ask him. I asked him exactly the same, you know, when you were watching, because he was a teenager when he watched this live. And I said, you know, when did you realise Davos was the Emperor? And he said, I didn't spot it until the voice began to change in the confrontation with the Doctor. And I was taken in by the battle computer bluff and was utterly amazed when it swung round to reveal the girl. So yes, my 13-year-old self was not quick on the uptake. Mm. Or was this actually done a lot better than the likes of Gilles Estram and... Oh, I think so. Well, yeah, they put him in that roll-on mum deodorant thing, haven't they? So, like, you know, we can, until he starts going, I uh, can't do the line. Uh, was it? Um, your appearance is as inconstant as your intelligence. intelligence. You have confounded me for the last time. And then you can call, almost hear Terry Malloy then. You're like, okay. Yeah, that's when it kind of... Cause it, it, it loses that sort of metallicness and it keeps the Davrosiness, keeps the sort of computer voice, but it becomes a lot more rich and deep. And then you realize actually, I mean, I remember this and I, again, knowing that it was Davros, not knowing who Davros is, mm. that's how sort of ingrained in the culture this, this was at this time. Oh, oh man, I love Mike behind the door with a gun. And I love it's very horror movie-ish, this with the little girl coming in. And you know what? That kind of uh, fairy tale theme, that's very Freddy Krueger, isn't it? Yeah. Um I'm gonna tell you something now, right? It's gonna make you hard. It's that exciting. Okay. And that is I think McCoy on that screen there, the way they shoot him, that is the most doctorish image i can think of he looks impish he looks in command he's got sparkling eyes he's smart he's spurting out witty dialogue like he could not be more the doctor than he yeah. is on that screen and this is the this is his his favorite famous line isn't it oh god can you say it please all powerful <clears throat> all conquering crush the lesser races conquer the galaxy unimaginable power unlimited rice pudding etc etc no i was a bit hard thanks <laughs> that was great 
Yeah, look at him. He's really going for it as well. He is, and he's really selling it. He's kind of, he's selling a man that's selling anger to, to mm. Davros. It's just such a phenomenal like, performance. Like after Revelation of the Daleks, which I think is actually oh, potentially my favourite Davros appearance, yeah. just because he is written with humour and so much character in that. Like he's really devious and he's a bit naughty. In Revelation of the Daleks, yeah. and I don't, and I think everywhere else is just a bit unsubtle. This is a bit of a come down from that. I.e., Davros is just a ranting villain, but I mean, we all is so good. Like... Yeah, and he, he is a ranting villain, but it's a, it's the pro- it's a natural progression of Davros, isn't it? Because if you think we we go from Davros in Genesis straight to Davros in Destiny, I mean, mm. he's literally, you know, wakes up you know, two minutes later from his point of view. And then it's the same, then Davos into Resurrection, and then into Revelation, then into this. It's a natural sort of progression, if you think. Do you think this is a point to rest him, though? Obviously, he doesn't come back off this until Stolen Earth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, you don't need to have Davos in every Dalek story. Um, You know, if Davros wasn't in this, we wouldn't lose anything. If the Doctor was just good and the Emperor, like not Davros. Was it? Um... <laughs> Now you begin to fear. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Isn't it great though that he he relies on Davros's hubris? Yeah. Get him to use the overgood device, which is pre-programmed to destroy Scaro. Like he's just committed mass murder, the doctor there. Yeah. I mean, technically Davros has. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit this is where we'll get to have a, a the conversation about the morality in this is like should the doctor be, you know, certain Scarra's son to Supernova? Is that the right thing for a doctor to do? Well, I'm going to say back in the day when I was very anti New Adventures, and because this went to an extreme in the New Adventures, he was doing this sort of thing every other week. Um, I didn't like it. So now, you know me, I quite like it. I like, you know, first season Capaldi. I like Colin Bay. I quite like a bastard doctor, actually. So uh, now I don't really object. What about you? Um, I'm not going to sit on the fence. To be honest, I think I can see why people don't don't like it. It's you know, I, can I complain about the fugitive Doctor using a backfiring gun, and then Lord Sylvester McCoy for using a backfiring hand of Omega? Probably not. Um, does it feel sort of out of character and something that I don't think the Doctor shouldn't do? Not particularly. Is it maybe because it's, it's Daleks and not like um, you know, like humanoid characters? Possibly, but it just I don't particularly have an issue with it, but I can understand why people do. So yeah. I think I think it. It, it's done fairly understatedly here whereas later on it, it's quite explicit that he's murdering a lot of people and things like that in those books and it's a bit unpleasant and it yeah. comes to a point in the new adventures where his companions are almost treated a bit like employees and he's uh-huh. always set up the entire story unbeknownst to us from the outset and it's all of these really intriguing ideas that they seed in the karma era just taken to a massive extreme by writers that don't have any sense of subtlety whatsoever 
Um, but I think here in the McCoy era, it's very refreshing. It, it, yeah. it's, it's both putting the Doctor center stage and giving him an air of mystery and unpredictability again. Yeah. Speaking of subtlety, he has the bit where he talks the doc, the supreme Dalek to death, mm. and he's he's very subtle performance, isn't it? It's very, again, quite understated. He's he's very quiet with the delivery. He's he's obviously got there's a bit of menace behind him, but he's he's not ranting or anything. Again, he's showing his range again. Yeah, really look at his eyes. Range. Yeah, blazing eyes. I, I he goes, I have defeated you. <laughs> But, like, he really, like, that poor Dalek is like, you've got no reinforcements, no hope, no rescue. I mean, I'll be, I'll be you know, reaching for the knife. Another thing I wanted to, to point out in terms of the direction is, you know, Mike gets zapped there by, by the girl, and we have a close-up of his dead face. Yeah. And we have that with, we had that with, um, I think we'll get another one before, before the scene's out, and we'll have um, we'll have the same with the headmaster, Michael Sherd, and we have Ratcliffe as well. We'll get we'll have these close-ups on them um on their face. Again, it's a quite a new thing, new series thing to do, bringing in, you know, focusing on the fact that people have died, not yeah. just treating them as you know complications um, like, of the plot that have now been gotten rid of. Yeah. Sort of like play things for Eric Sayward. Well, I think you know, we, we became a bit immune to death in that time, didn't we? Because of those absolutely. And Whereas it's, now it's, these are characters we've got to know, you know. Yeah, um, it's like you know, in Rose, um, oh, what's he's, what's the guy, who? Oh, Clive. Clive, yes. Yeah, shot in the he face. points out, you know, death follows the Doctor, and you yeah. know, as as a. You know, a fan of, of however many years up until that point, it's the first point you stop and you go, Oh, actually, yes, there is a lot of death in Doctor Who, and we don't really, you know, think about it too much. You'll think of like Tegan, Auntie Vanessa. We skip Adric, we skip over yeah. it in a scene, don't we? And then get on. Do you know, if there was ever a scene in this that really kind of showed how things have changed from 24, it's this coda, which they yeah. never would have done. They never would have had a funeral scene for a character that has been exposed as a villain and yet it's closure for for you know and i love the fact that all the countermeasure teams are there yeah and then there's this nice little scene between uh so yeah she, what's it she says we did good didn't we and he's time will tell it always does, it does. that's a great hour as well it's yeah it's, it's it's not just the the fact that we're having the burial of of mike and but it's the you know again that the, the was that the right thing to do? Have we actually done some good here? You know, the stopping to think about the, the consequences rather than just skipping off. Because Very often, you know, in the sword era, it's like Vengeance on Varos, isn't it? It's like, now you see me? Like, you have to deal with this yourself. There was if the this was Sirwood, it would be, you know, it would just be the Doctor and Ace left standard, wouldn't it? But with <laughs> really, it's, it's Mike and Ratcliffe are the only real sort of like named characters who end up and you know dead at the end and it's kind of like um but just don't want to really say like they deserved it but they are you know the on the wrong side of the tail at the end of the 
end of the day. Well, it so. does almost feel like, you know, that is a bit of a punishment for an allegiance made, like yeah. on the writer's part, you know. Um, maybe maybe Ben Aronovich feels there was a, a responsibility to show that those characters were being punished for potentially having, you know, well, no, not potentially having right-wing yeah. leanings. Um, that brings us to the end of one of the best Doctor Who stories of all time. It is, isn't it? It's one of the best. It's, it's... yeah, I, can, I guess I can think, probably think of a few that are better, and certainly there's ones that I like more, um, but that's that's easily top top five. I can't think of many though that have had the impact of this one because nobody expected this. No. And again, that's for me, it had a very clear and very personal impact. Um, it made me a fan. Having read through the responses I've had on Twitter, you know, we can see it, it was the exact same thing for everybody else that, you know, a lot of people who had not liked the direction the show was going and maybe turned away from it, who were felt that it was reinvigorated. I'm going to read um, Steve Alexander, friend of the podcast. I keep saying that. Um, his his reply was, we were in the top year primary school and we had daily diaries. We all drew pictures in. We were obsessed with Elvis quiffs and blocker boots. So naturally, I drew the Dalek Emperor with a big pair of blocker boots coming out of the base. <laughs> oh my God, I wonder if that still exists. Uh, my hopping on story was Dragonfire, so this was my first full season. My cousin Philip and me were big Doctor Who fans by that point, but I think everybody at school liked Remembrance. Um, Daniel Knight replied to that and said, there was a definite feeling the series was good again, and I wasn't going to get mocked for watching it. Mm. Then the Happiness Patrol arrived the following week, and he goes dot, 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 and then I've blocked him for saying bad things. About <laughs> I, I haven't. We were talking about this earlier. We haven't, I haven't blocked him. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is the feeling, really, um, of, you know, for all that, it's nostalgia, that it's looking back at the past, that it's saying, like, you know, 25 years ago. Forwards as well. Know, Absolutely, it's it's very much a, a reboot as well. It's very much a, you know, right. We've had, you know, we've been on we're on we're up as a little bit, but this is what we can do. This is what we are going to do. It's a, a reinvigoration. It's a mission statement. It's and like I say, it really sets the standard. It sets the tone for. Well, I think twenty six is basically this, isn't it? Twenty six is an earth. Every story is an earthbound setting with kind of authentic characters yeah um, an emotional core complex storytelling like this is set and 24 is all basically it's dark don't get me wrong but it mm. is whimsical it's very whimsical whereas this is pushing into naturalism now yeah that's it i think 24 you have a lot of fun and you have a lot of camp and you have a lot of adventure and there are those dark moments there um but they aren't quite as um they feel a little bit forced they feel a little bit pushed into at times um you know season 26 could probably do with dialing back on the darkness a little bit um and being a bit more you know naturalistic like you say whereas 25 gets it absolutely yeah, there's a good mixture absolutely spot on okay well come on in three from each of us for remembrance of the darkness and that's tough because there's a lot of great stuff here but let's let's back one back and forth and do three. Go on then. 
You well, me first. Oh yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to say Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, who I don't think. I think maybe Ghostlight. He's better, but it's a tough call, and he gets to be very commanding, very funny, um, very alien, and I don't think he puts a foot wrong. And I and I don't think that's the case in practically any other story. And I don't think it's the script either. I think that's him saying, this is what I've done in 24. Now you're going to see what I can really do. And yeah. he's incredibly good. Off you go. Yeah, I think, he, like I say, he, it's, he shows his range. He shows a really good range in this from, you know, anger to sorrow to introspection to everything. You just get everything absolutely spot on in this one. So um, for my first pick, I will say Ace. Because this is, you know, Ace was introduced in Dragonfire and for all that feels like there was a miss that we've had adventures we haven't seen. This is Ace's real proper first adventure as companion to uh, to Doctor Who. And she just hits the ground running and absolutely nails, nails it. Um, you know, Sophie Aldred has these wonderful scenes where she has to be, you know, brave. She has to be scared. She has to be... Um, smart she has to be heartbroken and she gets every single again every single one of them absolutely right uh, my next choice is john nathan turner who i think is a far savvier producer than people give him credit and he had a whiteboard where he allocated who did what in the production yeah from the costume designer to the director to the musician essentially these were all john nathan turner's choices and um he got it bang on in every respect the production of this is incredible also we know john nathan turner was very good at balancing books and this had a fucking massive overspend and he's and he was smart enough to say this is good spend the money yeah. you know so John Nathan Turner's my second choice. No, absolutely, I would agree with that as well. I think, like I said, I think the the issues with the John Nathan Turner era aren't necessarily John Nathan Turner. They are um, other other factors at play. Um, I will pick Andrew Cartmel then. Um, okay. Or do I want to pick Ben Aronovich? I'll pick the both of them. I'll okay. say, I'll say <laughs> Andrew Cartmel and you know Ben Aronovich who have come in as you know, very new writers, um, you know, very new script editor and writer and have come in with some fantastic ideas um, that, again, um, Cartmel has allowed these ideas to grow, you know, to flourish. They've allowed the characters, the actors to do um, what they can. It's so refreshing just after having... Um, you know, Colin and Nicola having to bicker with each other to have, you know, Sophie and Sylvester being able to have this wonderful dynamic that I think the writers or the script itself, it's, it's a, it's, it's quite a, a layered plot. There's a lot going on. It's simple in the respect of it's, you know, just the Daleks need to fight each other until one of them gets the hand of Omega and destroys themselves with it. But um, there's a lot of layers in the plot. It can be a little bit twisty at times, but it's really plotted well. It's paced well and, you know, the writing 
for this is my second choice. Great choice. Um, and my third choice is going to be the entire guest cast because we know it just takes one actor to sink a show sometimes. Um, and everybody, everybody is on board with this. I feel like they had some kind of a tone meeting or something. And everybody knows how to play this. Um, although I will say a special mention for Roy Tromley for his meteoric performance as the supervillain at the end. Yes, Roy Tromley, um, absolutely fantastic. I'm, ooh, what a pick for number three then. Um, should it be Kef McCulloch with his... Go on, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Kef then. I'll say Kef McCulloch because this, you know, the, the score behind this is... It's something that could only be done in the 80s. It could only be done on Doctor Who. And it's something that this story wouldn't work as well without. Mm. You know, if you put Murray Gold in this and you had the sort of choirs and the, the brass band everywhere, too much. Too much. it just wouldn't, it wouldn't quite, it needs that sort of like harsh synthesizer edge when Daleks are marching and and all the rest of it to really, to really sing so or Kef. McCulloch is my third choice. I think he is like bling, 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 bling. That's inspired. Yeah. You know? And that can only come from the diseased mind of Kef McCulloch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kef. I'm sure you're a lovely man. Um, do you know what? We've actually we've put a lie to rest because I've said before that just gushing about a story uh, that is considered a classic is actually probably the dullest form of commentary that you can do but this has been an absolute hoot yeah. and a pleasure to talk about um but there's no like massive surprises here like we loved it we said from the outside outside that we loved it absolutely absolutely and again you know we have had a few sort of um opposite takes on that from from twitter and apologies to anyone that has commented that's listening that i haven't read out but i will when this goes live, I will um, put a link to my tweet into into this, so that anyone that's listening can can read the full the full length um, of everyone else that is was replied. But yeah, I can't think of any better way to spend our one year anniversary. <laughs> well, God knows what we're going to do for two years, but we'll find we'll find some way of uh, we'll redo Happiness Patrol or something like that. You know. Oh, I can't. No, Mark, Mark McManus did a great job. I'll get him in as well. <laughs> we'll do it again now with superior audio quality <laughs> but listen Fraser I love you to pieces I cannot think of a better way to spend a Saturday night and I don't think it's any great surprise if I say to everybody that you and me will be together talking about Doctor Who very soon we will we will until next time bye everybody <laughs>